like you were dying. This is DJ Hillier here with your weekly wisdom brought to you by Element. This week's wisdom is specially dedicated to Michael Gervais in his book, The First Rule of Mastery. This is an excerpt that I really loved from it. Quote, For eight years, Australian Bronnie Ware was an in-home caregiver who looked after people who were dying. Her clients knew they were severely ill and most were in the last three to 12 weeks of their lives. She helped them to do the things they struggled to do on their own, shower, prepare meals, wipe their bottoms, organize their medication, the list goes on. She gradually realized, though, that the most important role she was playing was not physical, but emotional. She was there to listen. Bronnie Ware cataloged their intimate retrospections. Many of her patients carried regrets in their final days. Almost all of the regrets came from a lack of courage to pursue the life they desired. Their number one regret? People wish they had the courage to live a life true to themselves rather than a life that others expected of them. I'm going to repeat that. The greatest regret of people at the end of their lives was living for the approval of others. When the party's over and everyone and their opinions has gone home, you'll question why you gave them so much power in your own life. So what should we do? Dr. Gervais suggests that we should think about our death more often and to quote the great Tim McGraw, to live like you are dying. In 2005, Apple founder and CEO Steve Jobs echoed a similar sentiment at a commencement address to graduating students at Stanford University. Jobs had been diagnosed with a rare form of pancreatic cancer in 2003, but was cancer-free at the time of the speech. Jobs said at the podium, Remembering that I'll be dead soon is the most important tool I'll ever encounter to help me make the best choices in life. Because almost everything, all external expectations, all pride, all fear of embarrassment or failure, these things just fall away in the face of death, leaving only what is truly important. Remembering that you're going to die is the best way I know to avoid the trap of thinking you have something to lose. He went on to say, your time is limited, so don't waste it living someone else's life. Don't be trapped by dogma, which is living with results of other people's thinking. Don't let the noise of others' opinions drown out your inner voice. And most importantly, have the courage to follow your heart and intuition. They somehow already know what you truly want to become. Everything else is secondary. Close quote. As you're listening, you're probably thinking to yourself, DJ, you want me to think about my own death? Won't that depress me or, or turn me into an existential ta tailspin? And my response with a wide smile would be, actually, no. See, famous psychologist Roy ba Baumeister ran three experiences or experiments on this idea of how people respond when they think about their own death. He gathered 432 undergraduate volunteers. Half of the volunteers were prompted to think about what it's like to be dead and to write essays about what they imagined happened to them as they were dying. The other half of the students were instructed to write and think about dental pain. When the volunteers were absorbed in thoughts of death and dying, the researchers then gave them a series of word tests to tap into their unconscious emotions. They were asked to complete the following fragments of J-O and A-N-G, 
with letters of their choice. Some word stems were intended to elicit neutral or emotionally positive responses, such as J-O-Y, joy, or J-O-G, jog, while others could be filled with neutral or negative responses, such as A-N-G-L-E, angle, or angry. The researchers found that those who were thinking about their own death didn't sink into despair, but actually became happier. Their subconscious minds generated significantly more positive word associations and feelings than the dental pain group. The researchers believe that it's a psychological immune response that shields us from the threat of death. Look, we don't know how long we're going to live in the physical form. So let's plan as if the great mystery is right around the corner. Do you want to know what you'll regret at the end of your life? Simply ask yourself, what would you regret right now? If you wish you were more present for your two-year-old daughter, you're likely to have that same regret four decades from now. If you regret opting for the comfort and familiarity of your current job rather than reaching for the stars, you will likely have a similar regret down the road. The big difference between now and then is that you have the ability to do something about it now. You have a choice at every moment of your life, whether you're going to play the faux pas game, fear of other people's opinion, or are you going to spend your precious days, hours, and moments worrying about what other people think? Are you going to spend your brief time on this planet worrying about what others think you should say or feel or do? Simply this week, the exercise is quite simple and straight to the point. When you say goodbye to someone, say it as if you might not ever see them again. Say goodbye in a way that you demonstrate the gratitude you have for the time you have spent together. Start with one person today, tomorrow two. Work your way until it becomes part of your everyday routine. By acknowledging and embracing life's inherent fr fragility, we foster a genuine appreciation for the people who grace us with their presence during our brief time on this incredible planet. Thanks for stopping by. I'll catch you again next week for another weekly wisdom.